Hi there and welcome to Inside Rugby League, the podcast brought to you by the Yorkshire Evening Post. I'm Richard Byram and joining me on the line again as usual this week is my colleague Peter Smith. Peter, as regular listeners will know by now, is the Yorkshire Evening Post Chief Rugby League Writer and he also contributes match reports and other stories to our sister paper, the Yorkshire Post. This is episode 51 of our little podcast series and I mention that because I completely like last week's 50th episode landmark passed me by. So, here's to the next 50, Peter. Um, <laughs> thanks, thanks to anyone who's still, yeah, some, still listening or has just joined us or has listened right from the start. It's all very much appreciated. Um, as you say, hopefully we might get a, a piece of cake a la Test Match Special or some other more highbrow programme than this. Mm. But you just said if, if there's anyone listening, I thought you were going to say that. anyone listening from the start would be absolutely amazed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't, uh, don't talk yourself down. But yeah, thanks to everybody who's who's listened. I know we, we get quite good um, good listening figures and we do appreciate everybody who, um, who tunes in every week. We do indeed. So with that out of the way, uh, Peter, on to much more serious matters. Um, Again this week. Well, the cheerful stuff onto the moaning. Onto, yes. I think it'll probably <laughs> be this week. Moaning this week. And uh, as I said to you just before we came on air, probably one of these shows we where we're probably at risk of repeating ourselves several times from things we've said in recent weeks too. But these things keep coming up, so while they keep coming up, we'll keep referring back to them. And uh, I think probably the best place to start this week is Lee Drino's home defeat by... Warrington Wolves on Sunday, um, controversial decision again regarding a try and also a ban for Luke Gale out of that game as well. A uh, game yeah. you saw, Peter. I think the first thing to say is that um, the controversial decision wasn't why Leeds lost. Um, I thought Leeds lost just, just because they made too many errors. Um, and they didn't control the game in the last five minutes or so. It's the sort of game when, when they have the masters of, of shutting out a tight game, people like Kevin Sinfield playing for them, they'd have, they'd have won it. But they, they just lacked that um, know-how, really, I thought. Yeah. They were in front by six points going into the final five minutes and they lost in normal time by a point. So... That tells its own story, really. And it's not the first time it's happened this season. It happened at Huddersfield as well um, three months ago. So it's a concern. They, they need to to learn how to manage a close game and to, to hold out for a victory in those circumstances. Uh, having said that, the, the big talking point was obviously the try that was awarded to Josh Charnley by the video referee, Robert Hicks. Um, the referee, Chris Kendall, thought it was a try it went up to the video referee as a try and to the surprise of practically everybody in the stadium and I would imagine everybody watching on television the video referee backed up that decision and gave the try apparently he thought there was no evidence to um, to overturn the initial decision but if you look at it there clearly was just Charlie didn't get the ball down no. That was that was pretty obvious from from the replays. You could see on on at least one angle that the ball wasn't grounded, um, but the try was given, and and in the end, Leeds lost by a point. So you can see why Leeds were so uh, dismayed by that. 
really. I, I'm not a fan of the video referee. Um, if people have been listening to the, the show from the start, they'll know that I would scrap it. I, I just don't think the system works. I can't see the point of having a video referee if you're going to get decisions wrong. Um, it could have just gone with the on-field decision of a, of a try and everybody would have got home five minutes earlier on um, on Sunday night. Yeah. But if you're going to have a video referee, they've got to get it right. And in my opinion, and the opinion of virtually everybody who's seen it, I don't know of anyone who thought it was a try. Um, he got it wrong on Sunday. That's just not acceptable, in my opinion. I think I said a couple of weeks ago there was a similar incident or a couple of incidents in the Challenge Cup final that one of the reasons I thought the 1895 Cup final was a better more enjoyable spectacle than the Challenge Cup final was there wasn't a video referee yeah um, they just when a decision was made everyone just got on with it if if a referee makes a makes a mistake well fair enough these things these things happen um, but you can't have video referees Making errors. That's why they were introduced to um, to eradicate these sorts of mistakes, and that hasn't hasn't happened. I don't think the video referee gets it wrong very often, but it does sometimes happen. Um, the current system, I don't think, helps where the referee has to indicate whether he thinks it's a try or not. He hands it on to the video referee as either a try or no try, and supposedly the video referee has to have clear evidence that the on-field official's decision is wrong. Um, but if the referee's sure that it's a try or not a try, then there's no reason to to, um, to hand it on to the video referee. If he's handing it on to the video referee, he's effectively saying he's having a guess. So why should his, his opinion count for anything when it comes to the video referee's decision? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I'd, I'd certainly scrap that, um, and I just don't see what the what the, the system adds to the game. To be um, to be honest, we all see matches where every decision is checked, and it just gets it takes the excitement out of it. Um, I I'm not a fan. Um, I'm not a fan of the current system, and um, I wasn't a fan of that decision the other day. I thought it it. Um, it didn't spoil the game. I thought it was an excellent game between two very committed sides who, who really dug deep, both on a short turnaround. But um, it does leave a, a little bit of a sour taste when you get um, a big decision like that um, affecting the outcome of a game. But as I say, I don't, I don't think it's why Leeds lost. This decision came something like the 50th minute and there was still... And, and, Leveled the scores. It didn't. Um, it didn't put Warrington ahead or anything. And um, I think Leeds had enough opportunities to win the game despite that. So they, they can't blame that. But um, I can understand why they were so upset about it. Yeah, certainly. I, I was watching the game myself um, on Sunday, and generally I'm at work when the games are on, so I have them on in the corner, and I saw Charlie go over and. Obviously, there was some debate on the TV as to whether it was a try or not, and then it went upstairs. And to be honest, I went back to to doing something else. And it it was only when I looked round a few minutes later I realised they'd actually given the try, which I couldn't believe. You know, I just assumed 
Oh, it won't be a try that. And, you know, I carried on with what I was doing. And then when I looked round at the scores, having not seen anyone else score in the meantime, uh, you know, I was left to assume that this try had been given, which I think as we were saying the other week in, in the Challenge Cup final, the um, Kyle Amor one, where, again, he, he seemingly got the ball down over the line, but there was no satisfactory camera angle to actually prove that he did. Um, and I think at the time, Peter, you said that probably the reaction of the St. Helens players helped to make up the referee's mind on that occasion, didn't they? They all started jumping around because they were so pleased for Kyle. And uh, probably in a sort of 50-50 decision, he thought, well, 60-40, I'll give it to Saints. And uh, then obviously the, the video ref had a look to and couldn't see anything to overrule it. But again, on this occasion uh, with Charnley, it certainly looked like he'd been held up and, uh, you know, or, or the ball hadn't been grounded, should I say. And they certainly, you would have imagined that from there, the video referee would have said, you know, I can't see enough to satisfy myself that it is a try. And I noticed this time as well that on Twitter, quite a few players from other clubs uh, were commenting and saying, you know, there's just no way that that's a try. You know, it's not a try. And you can't, how can you see that? And, not just, you know, players who weren't involved in the game, obviously getting frustrated as well with these decisions being taken by somebody up in a box watching videos of the game rather than the man on the ground. Yeah. And uh, I agree with you, you know, it, <laughs> we've seen it in football too without going too much about football, but with VAR last season and it was supposed to bring it in to clear up doubts over whether it was a penalty or whether a player was offside and it just went to a farcical level, didn't it, with people's armpits being decreed offside and the front two studs yeah. of their boots and so on. And, you know, the same as you say in rugby league, if you're going to have a system like that, it's got to be pretty much foolproof, hasn't it? They've got to be able to say for definite, you know, either yes, referee, you're definitely right, or sorry, referee, you're definitely wrong. But at the moment, we've got a situation where at one time things that would have been chatted about or argued about in the pub afterwards. Now it seems to be all about the refer the video referee and the referee. And and everybody's, you know, everybody knows the referee's a tough job to do. They're only humans. People make mistakes. And I've no problem with that. But uh, to be making mistakes when evidence is presented to you uh, seems wrong. And, and again, another old moan of mine, which, you know, I've said on here several times, said to you several times, Peter, but with the video referee only at certain games, then you're seeing mistakes being made at those games that, again, on a one look at another game, say Salford v Wakey on a Friday night, the video the referee might say, well, I've no one to back me up. In my opinion, it was a try and that's the end of it. And as you say, that was noticeable in the 1895 final. Decisions were made and everybody got on with it, you know, and that's that was always part of the game. You respected the referee and the referee's decision was final. Um, but now everything seems wide open to debate and conjecture and uh, even with all the camera angles they've got, they don't seem to be certain. So, you know, or seem to be able to create enough evidence to overturn something. So... It's just not a satisfactory situation at all, as you say. I, you know, my main belief is if you have video ref at one game, you should have it at everyone, uh, a bit like the cricket. Uh, and then from there, you know, decisions can be made. 
but to have it to have it only at some games and not at others it isn't satisfactory in itself in my opinion um that's not the only controversy coming out of um sunday's game just before we came on air we saw the um a match review panel the dreaded match review yes. panels summary of um of the weekend's events and nine players nine players have picked up um a penalty notice this week, which means they'll be suspended um, on the, the say-so of the people who, who look through the footage of every match. Yeah. Um, among them is Luke Gale for Leeds Rhinos, who's been suspended for two games for making contact with the referee, um, Chris Kendall. Now, I've seen the footage, and I know you have because I, I sent it to you, Rich. Yes, um, yeah. It's just not. It's just not worth two matches. Um, there is contact. It's the sort of situation where I think the RFL might have been justified saying to to Luke Gale, "Well, look, you, you can't switch the referee. Be more careful in future." But he's he's brushed past him. Yeah. Really, the, the, he's one of the the key players in the competition. He's the England halfback. Man of Steel a few years ago. Um, ex Leeds captain is going to miss two matches, and he's just not—he's—he's he's just not committing an offence that he's worthy of a two-match ban. We said a few weeks ago, coaches and players are, are digging deep to get matches on. We've got the effects of COVID. We're we're more than halfway through a tough season when players are, are being patched up and sent out on, onto the field, um, playing through the pain barrier. We've got the ridiculous situation where Leeds are playing Castleford on Friday it'll be Leeds' third game in nine days they played Thursday to Sunday to Friday which is just ludicrous um, coaches are, are having to dig deep scratch around to raise teams I mean Castleford had to bring three players in on loan for um, for Monday's game although only two of them played for Monday's game against um, Huddersfield and yet the RFL are banning players for offences which just aren't worth a suspension. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. I think they need to get into the real world and, and, and just use a bit of common sense. If players do something that's worthy of a ban, then fine, ban them. But some of these incidents just are not worth players being suspended for. I think it's absolutely ludicrous. And and I think coaches and, um, and players at all teams are affected would have every right to feel angry about um, about this. I don't approve of the current system, the match review panel system, where some people can go through a review of a game and decide that someone without any ev any hearing, any defence evidence can decide that somebody's guilty and that they're going to get a certain punishment. And if you appeal, there's a chance the punishment could be increased. Yeah. It's, just, it's a ridiculous system. I know... Um, Chris, uh, Michael Carter, and I think he was actually involved in in introducing the current system. He hit out on it the other week, and he's absolutely right. It's just making a mockery of the game. It's not fair to fans who want to see the best players out on the field. If if Leeds are playing cash, you want to see Luke Gale playing in that. It adds more interest to the fixture. Challenge Cup final a couple of weeks ago, one of the big angles, one of the things that the media were most interested in reporting on was the fact that two brothers were playing on opposite sides. I think that was the first time that would have happened. 
at Wembley. And what happens? One of them gets banned, Sione from St Helens, gets banned by the match review panel, upheld by the disciplinary committee and doesn't get to play. Absolutely ludicrous, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, it's just wrong. And to be banning so many players, nine players, at a time when clubs are struggling to get teams on the field, it just doesn't show any common sense to me. It doesn't show any any understanding of the game um, or any any um, sympathy to, to players. Um, I, I just, I'm almost lost for words. It's just, it's ridiculous. It is. And when you consider, I mean, we've spoken several times about this through the course of the season and it's not just the actual bands, it's, it's the length of them and the consistency. And uh, just while you were speaking there, Peter, I was just uh, having a quick look <laughs> that huge brawl at Wigan versus Lee at the weekend, which was like something out of the Wild West, and you know would have almost certainly seen some kind of action taken against you if you'd tried it on Westgate in Wakefield on a Saturday night. <laughs> and um, you know those guys between them, the two Lee guys, uh, Rob Butler and Jack Ashworth, and Oliver Partington from Wigan, all got two games, the same as Luke Gale. For, you know, for basically standing there absolutely leathering seven bells out of each other. Brad Singleton got a game more. Um, presumably, he would be viewed as the instigator of the incident, having seen it a couple of times. But then when you think back to the Leeds players, it's Zane Tetevano who got four games yeah. in the Challenge Cup. And again, it's like, so Luke Gale brushes past somebody and gets two games. And and guys can have a a wild west free for all and get the same, you know. Why not take somebody's head off when they're running through if the risk is the same as bumping into the referee over something and nothing, you know. There's no, it's absolutely crazy as you say. And again, there's, it just seems to be down to a weekly interpretation of you know who who's doing what, and where and when, and and who should be punished for it, you know. And, you just kind of end up banging your head against the wall in the end. But again, you know, some of them, you know, those guys certainly deserve to be banned for what they did. You know, they, they, they brought shame on themselves, the team and the sport. And, you know, as people were pointing out during the week, that was the most seen incident in rugby league this week and not something you really want to, you know, when we're trying to push out a more positive image of yeah. the game and so on yes it, yes it does happen and yes you expect people because let's be honest people do watch it uh you know watch the game for the big hits and the collisions and the odd the odd dust up there's no doubt about that you know myself included i'd be a hypocrite to say i didn't but you know, to to get two games for that and two games um for, for brushing the ref as you say i've seen the footage of of luke's incident and Really and truly, you, know, you might you might as well just have a free for all and just see what happens at the end of it, really. But uh, again, nine players yeah. missing this week in a sport that can ill afford to have any players really missing at the moment. Mm. I'll say that's inconsistency, isn't it? I, I've, I don't you know if it's an, if it's a stand up brawl like that. Well, you know, fair enough. Um, ban the players. Let's be consistent about it. Make sure. Players involved in incidents like that get get um, get a similar ban, but you shouldn't be banning players. My point is, you shouldn't be banning players for incidents that, that just aren't worth. No, aren't worth 
a ban two matches for for what Gale's supposed to have done is is ridiculous. Um, I don't know whether he'll appeal. Maybe he'll appeal and um, and get the ban reduced. I don't know. Perhaps perhaps he'll appeal and and the ban will be increased. Yeah. Um, there's always that that risk that happened to um, to um, somebody. Liam Watts, I think he was, wasn't it? Earlier in the season, he appealed, and yeah. his appeal was deemed frivolous, and um, and his punishment was was um, was increased. I think that's wrong as well. If he if he wants to to state his case, he should be allowed to do so. Yeah. But um, anyway, that this is a, an argument we're we're going to have, we've had, and we'll have on a, a regular basis. I just think um, the disciplinary panel and the match review panel should be um, showing some awareness of, of the situation and, and you know where possible not banning players at a time when um, when the sport's struggling so much to, to get matches played. Yeah, I mean, my other thing may be that, you know, or even have like a rap sheet so everybody knows where they are anyway before they go into the, you know, this grading, you know, a grade A, whatever, or a grade H or whatever, you know, just lay it out straight. You know, if you touch the referee in any re- for any reason whatsoever, um, you know, it's a, it's a one-game ban or whatever, you know. If you punch an opponent, regardless of the circumstances, it's a two-game ban, but all, all punishments are open to appeal, you know. And not necessarily an appeal where you go in and, as you say, you end up getting four games instead of three or whatever. Uh, but uh, if the, that might help with the consistency, or, or at least everybody would know where they stood then, wouldn't they? You know, you swore at the ref and you were, you were sent off for it and that's an automatic three-game ban and it says it there in black and white and we all agreed it before the season started. Uh, but this, again, just kind of random week-to-week... Uh, almost depends who's on the panel and which way the sun's shining. Uh, you know, is no good to anyone. And, uh, and I've, just, the... I've just had a, I've just had a brilliant idea. Go on. I think <laughs> that clubs. <laughs> I was thinking about um, about Richie Milo was Simbind playing for Leeds against Hull on um, on Thursday, and yeah. he didn't really do anything. I don't know if you saw that, but I, I, I couldn't I did, see, yes. really see why. Why he was Simbin, there was a, a coming together, and it seems like if one player's Simbin and another almost automatically is he, no action was taken against him. I don't think he should have been Simbin. So maybe you should be allowed to use to use that as like um like a joker. Yeah. So Leeds should be able to say, well, we lost we lost Richie Myler for no reason against um, against Hull, so that should count as. Um, as a match off Luke Gale's ban, just a thought. Well, yeah, because I mean, <laughs> like Castleford last year, had Oliver Holmes sent off when he, sh- he shouldn't have been against Leeds. Um, maybe have been a sim bidding out worse. Yeah, they should they should be able to use that as um, as mitigation the next time they get a suspension. Well, I th- even you know the guys on the TV were saying they couldn't understand why Richie had been sin bin. They. Said, they seem to think, and from the evidence we could see, you know, on the screens, that he was actually trying to break something up, but but was then viewed because he ran across to break it up. He was viewed as having run in as an aggressor. Then, 
Um, so maybe when there's a big punch up, we should walk towards it and just let everybody get on with it. And by the mm -hmm. time you get there, you'll you'll stay on the field. You know, just see it again, a, a, another bizarre moment. And you know, <laughs> Richie just looked completely nonplussed. Not surprisingly, uh, when yeah, well, that, was, that was his second sim winning in successive matches, and I'm not sure he really deserved the the first one um, against Salford yeah. in the previous game, but. I mean, these these things happen sometimes. Referees are obviously making a, a split second decision. They're not pouring over or um, slow motion replays like the match review panel presumably do. Um, I think it's a shame for Gale. Um, obviously, he wants to play against Castleford. Um, it's a shame for the fixture. Would add, add him playing would add interest to the game, but it should be a good game. That yeah. one on um, on Friday night, not on TV. Hopefully there'll be a decent crowd in. The attendance at um, the Warrington game was the first time Leeds have had less than 10,000 in for a, a league game in the regular season since 2003, right. which is a, a worrying statistic. You can understand why crowds are, are dropping. We've talked about on the show before, you know, will, will people have people got out, out of the habit during lockdown? Um, I think some people are still concerned about being being in crowds with lots of other people. Um, obviously, some people have been financially hard hit by um, by COVID, but yeah, cr crowds do seem to be on the decline. I think some people thought that when the sport came back. And fans were allowed in there'd be a, a huge surge of interest but that doesn't seem to have happened which is a shame um i think that if if teams keep producing the sorts sorts of games like leeds and warrington did the uh, the other night then that'll help bring the crowds back because that was fantastic entertainment um despite the disappointing result for leeds and let's hope the game against castleford's a good one as well this week. I think Castleford will really fancy the chances in that one. They'll be highly motivated after Leeds a 60 points to six win at the end of May. Um, Leeds clearly going to be struggling again. They could be without any specialist halfbacks. Um, big game for Cass. Can't afford to, to drop any further behind in the race for a, a place in the top six, but they're going to have some key players back for the first time since the Challenge Cup final after injury and um, and COVID. So I think, um, and they always raise the game when they play Leeds. So I think that um, it's quite an intriguing game and I think Castleford are really fond of the chances of getting something out of that one. Yeah, you know, they're always a, a good game, aren't they? I'm a bit disappointed it's not on the TV. I'm quite surprised by that. But then again, Cass have been in a particularly poor run, haven't they? And, um, maybe... The TV people fear that there'll be another blowout to Leeds, but as you say, I, I can't honestly see that this time. Um, they seem to feel a bit of an understrength team against Huddersfield for the defeat the other day. Uh, but, um, you know, as we've said on here many times, it's a kind of unwritten rule, isn't it, that <laughs> Cass fans would expect, that, you know, even if they only had 11 players, they would expect their team to go down fighting against Leeds um, and I'm sure on Friday night it'll be no different um, I noticed too with the planning this week just going off at a slight tangent but Saints and Catalans at half two on a on a Saturday afternoon seemed a strange one at a time when 
you know, the best two teams in the competition. Saturday afternoon's not really a rugby league time anymore, is it? And it's, it'd be easy for people to overlook that game. It's a bit of a strange one. That should be a cracker, shouldn't it? Yeah, um, you would have thought Castle's so. on this long winning run. I think it's up to 12 matches now, but Saints playing well. Um, I think if Castle on to win that, then they'll be looking very strong for uh, the top spot in Super League and uh, potentially a grand final. Yeah. So, yeah, big game that one. And then on Sunday, my lads, uh, it's uh, Huddersfield, Wakefield v Huddersfield, and Wakey could really do with a win that... They seem to have slipped back into a bit of a rut again. I know they've had some hard games recently and, and fair play to them. They've played all the games regardless of the players they've actually had available or the youngsters that they've had to put out. Um, you know, they've put out a team each week despite all the problems of this season. Uh, Huddersfield obviously a good win there against Cass. And uh, could be a tight one that could be one of those you score, we score games, I think. Um, Maybe just a, a try or so in it. Hopefully Wakefield will come out on the right side. Uh, I think we've said on here before, Hud that particular game seems to be that Wakey beat Huddersfield at home and vice versa. So uh, I'm hoping that Wakey can perhaps break that particular run this time. Yeah, absolutely. No idea who's going to win that one. No. <laughs> Those are difficult yeah. ones to predict. But yeah, it could be, I think it's 28-24 or something, that one. Um, They've got a lot of injuries, but um, had a couple of good results recently. And um, yeah, difficult one to predict. We think maybe with, with home advantage, Huddersfield uh, might be slight favourites, but Wakey, it's difficult for them because they, they, Wakey don't really have anything to play for. They're not going to get into the top six realistically, and they're not in danger of relegation. So um, it, it's a case of just just really seeing the season out. Yeah. But uh, they do have a lot of players off contract, so the players blame for, for deals for next year. And it would be nice if if Wakefield could have a strong finish to the season. There's obviously Chris Chester, the coach's contract situation still up in the air. So um so while the, the team as such doesn't have much to play for, individuals in and around it do. So um interesting to see how they handle the last um Last few games this season. Yes, yeah, they, they really need to keep going, don't they? And uh, try and build some momentum towards the end of the season and then into next season. Uh, hopefully some new signings, but also things getting a bit more back to normal. As you were saying about the crowds, it's, it's a shame to see how the numbers have fallen away, really, uh, compared to before the pandemic. And, you know, you can understand people's finances and, Concerns for their health mean that they might not be able to commit to the game at the moment. But uh, hopefully uh, they'll be able to, you know, people will start coming back. And, you know, as the product improves as well, of course, you know, I've seen a few comments on Twitter, people saying they're not bothering going at the moment because they're unhappy with how their team is playing or they're unhappy, uh, you know, with the situation in the crowd and so on, you know, in terms of, excuse me you know the covid and and so on but uh hopefully as things as the time goes on in the next few weeks people will be able to see that it's perhaps safer to to go to games again and uh, get behind the teams once more yeah let's hope so and i think on that note peter uh we'll blow the hooter for this week <laughs> 
Thanks very much as usual for all your comments. Just my weekly reminder that you can get the latest rugby league news from Peter's Twitter handle at Peter Smith YEP or my own at Richard Byron YEP or the two desk uh, Twitter handles at YP Sport and at YEP Sports Desk. You can also hear this podcast and get the very latest news at yorkshireeveningpost.co.uk and also on various podcast platforms including Anchor, Spotify, Google and Apple. So all that's left for me to say is thanks again for listening and thanks to Peter for his comments and hopefully we'll be back soon.